find a local functional medicine doctor or naturopathic doctor that runs subclinical labs, get your answers, black and white, exactly what you're deficient in, exactly what you have too much of, your toxicities, replace your deficiencies, remove your toxicities, and you will get well. Tenant, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, where we get real so you can be well. Each week, I sit down to have authentic conversations with the leading voices in health and wellness to help you detox your life and give you the tools to feel your best and most vibrant self. My guests are here to educate you on the latest healing remedies, ancient wisdom, and alternatives to the traditional path. I've personally curated the platform to elevate your mind, body, and spirit. This year for me has been all about getting over that final hump of my health journey. It's been a 13-year battle and I was ready to be done with it and to feel really healthy and really strong. So finding a functional medicine doctor last summer was the first big part of that. And then finding my Ayurvedic doctor earlier this year was the missing piece. I was able to connect both Ayurveda and functional medicine in order to find the truest, most effective healing for me. So when I found today's guest, Dr. Stephen Cabral, I kind of lost my mind. (laughs) He is an Ayurvedic doctor. He's a functional medicine doctor, and he's a naturopath. He blends all three of those in order to heal his patients. He wrote the most amazing book that I could not put down. It was one of my favorite reads in my entire life called The Rain Barrel Effect. And in this episode, we talk through what the rain barrel effect means, how toxins impact our body, the role that EMFs play in our daily life, how Ayurveda merges with functional medicine and how he treats his patients in order to get them back to optimum health. We talk about celery juice and Epstein-Barr and how to support your body if you're sick when you're pregnant, a question that I've been getting a ton from many young women in the health and wellness world. So this is a very deep, very interesting conversation. We cover so many different topics, and I am so grateful that he came on this show to share more and educate us all about the work that he's doing because it is really powerful and he is healing so many people. So make sure you go to thisistheplatform.com slash resources to find his book, The Rain Barrel Effect. And you can head to Instagram and find him at Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N Cabral, C-A-B-R-A-L to learn more. He has an amazing Instagram with tons of facts and ways that you can naturally heal your body in a very easy and digestible way. So enjoy this show. Make sure you take notes, send him a message and tell him how amazing this is. And be sure to check out his podcast, The Cabral Concept. You will love it. It is one that I binge constantly and get so much great information from. So enjoy this show. Well, I am a huge fan of yours. So I'm totally geeking out right now. (laughs) Just a fair warning on that. I'm really, really excited to talk to you. Yeah, I, I read your book once. I am going to be reading it again very soon. I am just so impressed with everything that you're doing. And I have a functional medicine doctor who I love, but it's funny because I've, I've talked to a few and none of them have merged Ayurveda and the naturopath with functional medicine. And so the fact that you're doing all of that 
is really, really cool to me. And so, yeah, I was geeking out on every page of your book. It was one of the best reads. <laughs> yeah, the Ayurveda is a hard one. Everyone wants to boil that down, lend to like maybe a hundred pages, and it's just it's not possible. So that is the hard thing about Ayurveda is that it's such bio individual, and even when you are predominantly the kapha body type or vata body type or whatever body type you might be, that is your genetics. But then it's also what's the season that you're in and what you're experiencing and what's the mindset. So it's a, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And you, you know, if you're into it, you'll spend your whole life um, getting deeper into Ayurveda. But um, yeah, it's a lot of, it's, it could be the missing piece for a lot of people. And it certainly was for me is understanding your body type well beyond your genetics and what you're predisposed to. Once I realized that for me, then I said, okay, you're always going to be more prone to this, kind of like genetics, but with your constitution. So you need to save yourself from yourself. That's what I basically always say. Mm, that's so true. And I, I love Ayurveda. Like you said, it is the missing piece. I had started functional medicine just last summer after being misdiagnosed for a long time. And then I found my Ayurvedic doctor here in LA, Marta at Surya Spa. And that truly was what took me to the next level. And it's amazing when you look at your, your constitution and understanding how much pitta I had in my body That's and right. just yep. the amount of heat and the level at which my immune system was living on fire and how that really contributed to so many of the issues. So I love that you talk about all of that and, and sort of how it all coincides because there just aren't many conversations about that right now. There aren't. And it, it just gets confusing because then the next thing people want to do is just say, okay, well, what's the pit to diet? And it mm -hmm. just it's not just diet. There's just so much that goes into it. Um, so I, I think obviously that's great. Can I, do you mind if, uh, if I ask you what your illness or previous illness or whatever it may be? Yeah. So when I was um, 19, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and they didn't know what was wrong for about six months. And then I went to a rheumatologist. He told me I had fibromyalgia and I was actually playing volleyball at USC at the time. Okay. Had to retire. I was bedridden, could barely walk, you know, the whole thing. And then I went through many different protocols trying to heal myself different diets. I found paleo in 2009. And that was really the biggest shift for me. And then I, it wasn't until last summer that I found my functional medicine doctor. And we did all the tests that you talk about, which is super cool. And yeah. he just said, you don't have fibromyalgia, you have Epstein-Barr and chronic fatigue syndrome. And you don't have these pain points and all these things that are linked to fibromyalgia. You're just you're exhausted in your body it, it, and your immune system is on fire. And so that's why you're having these symptoms. And so we started treating it properly. And it was just night and day from what I had been going through. That's great to hear. And you yeah. know, that is the thing, even though your constitution is predominantly the pitta body type, you have a really good, more vata than kapha, but you still mm -hmm. have, you know, kapha within the body. But, you know, for highly competitive people, and I'm, I'm sure you're, you're part of that group. Um, you know, in just business and life and wanting to yep. get the most out of everything, you know, what happens is if you don't have a strong pitta kapha or more kapha based constitution, you're going to burn out. It's just mm -hmm. that's the way that that happens to all of us. And mm -hmm. so that's why I say you have to save yourself from yourself. There's so many great things that you want to do with your life. You just have to have the mindset that they're all come in the right time and in their time. Because if not, we have no, we're going to burn out. Like that's, that's just the way that it is. The truth. It's it's so true. So I want to walk through your book because like I said, it just really resonated with me. And Ayurveda, 
as a whole just really makes sense. It seems very practical. And so I think it's really actually easy to explain to people. But I first want to ask you, I thought this was really interesting. You self-published and you also are giving 100% of the profits to charity. And you just don't see that very often. So I just wonder, this is a personal question, why you decided to do that. It's really amazing. For me giving away 100% of the profits to charity? Yeah, and self-publishing because I think a lot of people, they want you know that big publisher and they want the recognition and it just doesn't seem like that's what drives you at all. Yeah. And so you know it did. I don't want to seem that I'm, I'm um, you know, not a part of all of that, I, but I did that. So you know, it's one of those things that you don't realize that I always heard myself is that you, know, you need to make all of those things happen to understand that they don't matter. And so I was published um, in the the health and fitness industry by one of the largest um, textbooks uh, writers, Human Kinetics, a while back. And I had worked with um, Rodale with Men's Health. And I had published over 1,300 articles with Self Magazine and Condé Nast. And so I had been there and like that was checked off the list. But what I realized and learned along the way was that what are you doing this for? You know, like, wh- why does this matter? And if it's about prestige or any of those things, those things are, well, they're fickle for the first part. So you'll always be disappointed in the end. But if your message is really what you're all about, for me, when I did my, the, the book that I did with human kinetics, the problem was I didn't want to name it that title and I didn't want the photo that they had on the book and I didn't want the, like, all of these different things. And so I realized that the content was mine, but how it was marketed and promoted was not. Mine. And so I said, this book is how I practice. And there can't be anything changed and it has to be in my words. And the other part was this is that I feel that the message that I have and what I've been privileged enough to learn should be free. The content should be free Mm. because this is something that I want my life's work to be about. I never thought that this would be the path that I've taken. But maybe things did happen for a reason. Maybe I did get that sick and it took me so long. If I had gotten well in a year or even six months, I would not have traveled the world and I would not have done all of these things to figure out what does work. So for me, I really am trying to spread this this mission, this message with as many people as I can serve. And so if I'm able to donate that uh, to charity as well, I don't feel bad then about trying to promote this book to the greatest ability that I have. Yes, absolutely. I think that's great. Thank you for sharing that and and doing that important work. So I want to talk about what the rain barrel effect is. How would you describe it? Well, the rain barrel effect, the the best way that I can put it, and for those people that don't know what a rain barrel is in the first place, it's because we don't we certainly don't have them in the northeast where I'm from. And but what happens is that at least before there were gutters on your house and the gutters would then drain into a barrel and that barrel would essentially protect your property, your grass, all of those things. And it would catch all of the water. Well, if you don't check on the rain barrel, it begins to just slowly fill up. Maybe it takes six months, maybe it takes a year, but eventually it overflows. And when it does overflow, it's exactly what you didn't want to happen. It ruins your grass. It, you know, it, it makes a big mess. Well, the difference with us is in conventional medicine, we only look at the last two stages of the disease process. So we look at it when the symptoms have come to fruition and they're bad enough that we can label them with a disease. So what happens is that there are four more stages in natural health. And they talk about it in Ayurveda as well. So it's 6,000-year-old medicine. Now it's state-of-the-art bioregulatory medicine. And we look at the stages and we say, there are specific signs that your body is starting to compensate. 
before it super compensates what we call disease. But disease, again, is just a set of symptoms. And it's still your body trying to right the ship. So what happens is the rain barrel is your body slowly filling up. And then when it overflows, that's when we give the Hashimoto's, rheumatoid arthritis, type 2 diabetes, fibromyalgia, etc. diagnosis. Are you of the belief as well that Epstein-Barr is, is a main cause of many of these issues as well as leaky gut? I know you talk about that leaky gut a lot in your book and being the precursor of 90% of autoimmune disease, but is Epstein-Barr in there for you as well? Epstein-Barr is a serious issue, but it's only because we can't allow our immune system to do what it's supposed to do, which is knock that virus down. Mm. There's debate of whether we can truly eradicate it from our body or not. In my opinion, I had Epstein-Barr virus. I don't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. So whether it's dorm... I had rheumatoid arthritis, I had type 2 diabetes, Addison's, fibromyalgia, IBS, all these different things. Whether they're dormant or I don't have them anymore is a moot point because they're not there. You can't Mm -hmm. see them on blood work. You can't see them on functional medicine labs. You can't see them anywhere. So Epstein-Barr is a big one, but not as big as... Because it's not... It's root cause, but it's only root cause because your body was most likely so run down that it was not able to fight that virus or keep it at bay. Mm. So it's the same for Lyme disease. You know, People say they're suffering from Lyme three years later. I don't see that. I don't see that as being true. Now, I don't discount their Lyme disease, what they believe to be Lyme disease, but really what they're dealing with is the destruction of the mitochondria inside of their cells by taking doxycycline or these really strong antibiotics. That antibiotics is anti-life, it's antibacterial. Well, a lot of people forget that the mitochondria are bacteria in the cells as well. So when you destroy the bacteria in your body and you destroy the mitochondria in your cells, you have no energy and you ache and you can't regulate inflammation, all those things. Well, that is also mitochondrial-based and that is a side effect that actually feels like Lyme. So Epstein-Barr virus to me is getting the hormones, the endocrine system, your hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal system to work properly, to be less stressed, to then repair the gut, and then you don't have to worry about the Epstein-Barr virus. Mm-hmm. It's so important. That was my experience as well, is the leaky gut was so bad that nothing else was changing. And once I got that under control, it seemed like everything started to calm down and my adrenals were better and my cortisol levels were regulating and my energy got better. But it wasn't until I followed such a strict protocol to heal the leaky gut that I could make any changes. And that's such a great point. That, that's the truth. Because if you don't fix your gut, then you can't manufacture the serotonin, the B vitamins. You can't absorb the magnesium. So all of the things that we know that would help to combat Epstein-Barr virus or give us energy or help the mitochondria, it doesn't work unless we fix our gut. And so that's why you know, in my practice, I'm such an advocate of functional medicine testing, of course, but it's only more to prove a point to people. Like, you, I want to show you the data so that this is black and white. Because, again, having run, we've done you know, tens of thousands of labs. So I can almost assume what's going on, but I would love the data you know, to have that. But either way, you can't go wrong with trying to improve your gut health as well as calm that sympathetic nervous system, especially from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. At least give yourself half the day to turn off, but that we don't do that in our society. No, we're so go, go, go. And we're watching TV and we're exposed to EMS and we're all these toxins in the environment. And it's, it's this never ending, like you talk about filling up of your rain barrel and it never, 
your body never has a chance to even breathe and sort of work through any of that. And if you're eating all day, your digestive system never has a chance to calm down either. And you're, so much energy is going into that. Exactly correct. And, you know, and that's why diet plays such a huge role is that if, yes, you, know, you have to work on your nutrition, but the problem is that we were just saying before, it's not what you eat. Because I know a lot of people that you know, come to see us or that I speak to, they're eating great diets. The mm-hmm. problem is that their digestive system is so weak, they can't break down all of these fantastic foods. So what happens is they still get the fermentation in the gut, they still get the bloating, and it, it takes so much of their energy. Because they were like, well, I'm eating a lot of salads or I'm eating a lot of you know, raw-based uh, greens. And, but that, you know, to break down that level of cruciferous-based vegetable or the cellulose, I understand where they're coming from. And that might be well, great in the future, but sometimes things that are great in the future are not great right now. Easy to digest foods when your body's already worn out so that you don't have to expend more energy to break down those foods is a much better idea, at least in the beginning. Yeah, that was a really huge shift for me in starting Ayurveda is cooking almost all of my food, especially the vegetables. And I had pretty severe SIBO as well as the leaky gut. And I didn't realize how much, um, how taxing it was for my digestive system to be eating salads and smoothies and all of these raw vegetables. And when I started having everything cooked for me, it was such a big shift. How do you explain to people why that's so important? If we, if we want to think of it this way, is that about 30% of all of your energy for the day goes towards your digestion. And it also then explains why a lot of these diets that have you fast for so much of the day get exceptional results. Now, are they great in the long term? Most likely not. But are they good in the short term? Well, what do they ask? Well, they ask these people not to have to digest any food for 16 hours a day. Mm. You know, stressed or not, well, now you get to take that energy that would typically be used for digestion and shifted towards the rest of life. And every time they put food in their stomach that is causing fermentation, bacterial overgrowth, inflammation, bloating, or you have leaky, you know, leaky gut, which is essentially all it means is intestinal permeability. So meaning that your gut is called the lemon appropriate or the lumen of the gut. It's only one cell. But what's happened is there has become a larger space because of alcohol or stress, poor, poor food combining, birth control, antibiotics, etc. Well, when that happens, we allow normal healthy foods, those proteins or bacteria from our gut to move into the bloodstream. That causes an inflammation cascade. So that turns on the immune system. Now we have the start to autoimmune-based issues. But we also have all of those uh, particles moving from what's called the gut-associated lymphoid tissue, just the GALT, being moved through the lymphatic system or at least to the liver for processing. And now our liver becomes congested because that's a basically catch all of these things, move it through a phase one, phase two detox process and dump it back in the intestines. But here's the crazy thing. If you have the intestinal permeability or you're constipated, you can just keep reabsorbing it over and over. And that taxes the liver to a greater degree. And the liver is what makes us feel also run down and sluggish. So what we do is we start with easier to digest foods, foods that aren't as fermentable in the gut. And we just teach people to become more self-aware. So if we do that smoothie in the morning, it doesn't have to be a cold smoothie. You can actually add spices like Ayurveda talks about and add ginger mm-hmm. and wait 20 minutes and you know, do that with a little bit of warm bowl of oatmeal. Like Whatever works for your body, because it can be bio-individualized, but you have to start somewhere. How do you feel? If you feel pretty good and you don't have bloating, great. Then that meal works. Now try something else for lunch. Do you get bloating half hour to a couple hours afterwards? If yes, well, then that meal for you is either too complicated or they're in undigestible foods for you. 
I love that and being self-aware. And that's something I talk a lot about is really listening to your body and seeing the way certain foods affect you. I think so often we'll eat throughout the day and we have no idea which food it was that bothered us because we're not able to pay attention. And that's something that you do such a great job of is allowing people to really focus on, okay, what is it that is causing this digestive problem for me or making me tired? You can pinpoint that and eliminate it and try and heal. And then you can reintroduce it or maybe it's just not something that works well for your body. It's a really good point. Not everything is right for our body, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing is like, does it? Ha- I mean, does avocado? Do you have to eat avocado? It's a great food, right? Tomorrow, I mean, I would hope so. <laughs> exactly. Like we hope so. But what if that food just doesn't work for you? There are other great foods, so you don't have to make a food work for you. And I mean, you can get really deep into this. You can look at well, this person's a you know apoe genotype four uh, four, and so they're not going to do as great with saturated fats. Yet this person is it 2-2? And okay, they're going to do a little bit better with saturated fats. So you can go as deep as you want. But I believe if you keep your diet fairly varied, predominantly produce, easier to digest foods until you rebuild the digestive system, then you can start to get back into the more complicated meals. Well, that's going to be great for most people as a foundation. And after a while, like right now, I can do foods that I never used to be able to do 10 years ago, even when I got better 10 years ago. And the reason is that your body gets healthier every year. It literally regenerates 97%. Now, it can regenerate 97% to exactly how you were before, or it can begin to heal every 120 days as all those red blood cells turn over. So my goal for people is 12 to 16 weeks, let's get you on a plan. You're going to feel phenomenally better after that period of time. Maybe not completely healed. That's okay. We're, we don't just snap our fingers. We're an organism. We're like a plant or anything that grows. We need to give our body time, but that time allows us to also... It's the self-exploration. It's the self-awareness. What you learn now going through this journey, well, you'll take with you for the rest of your life. So it's better to learn the things now and then carry them with you and then teach them to others. Hey guys, guess what? I am launching something incredible for you in January. And it's very similar to what Dr. Cabral and I have been talking about in this episode, that we can't have that physical healing without the emotional and spiritual aspect of things. So I created the Journey Within Intention. This will be a video to kick off your year by calling in lasting change for your mind, body, and soul. I've been talking a lot about healing emotionally and spiritually to heal physically. And instead of making a New Year's resolution that falls off three weeks later, this will give you the tools to make lasting change and finally begin your healing journey. You can head to my website at thisistheplatform.com and make sure you're subscribed to my emails so you can be the first to hear about it when we officially launch. This is an incredible resource that will change your life and I cannot wait to share it with you. I'm curious what your take is on meat because I think there's a lot of different ideas about it and I would love to know what you think. So I'm such an advocate. And so I always say this, and but it's the truth, is that I have no dog in the race and all I'm after is the truth. Mm-hmm. Because I, I honestly have nothing to promote, nothing to sell, nothing like that. And so I said, for me, what do I want? I want to live as close to forever as possible, but only if I have absolute abundant vitality and zest for life. Because I don't want to be decrepit. I don't want to live out my days in pain and without energy and knowing all the things that I could accomplish, but I just don't have 
any of the energy. I mean, I had Addison's disease. So that is basically no energy, no anti-inflammatories, flu-like symptoms every day of your life. It was mm. you know, very, very brutal. So I know what that life was like. So for me, I'm after the truth when it comes to supplements, the truth when it comes to how much, when, uh, the truth when it comes to food, exercise. So that's why you know, when I go on interviews or people, they don't know what box that I'm supposed to be in because <laughs> I can see the benefits to many different things and why. And sometimes the benefits are there, such as keto or lower carb, two to three weeks, but not two to three years. I mean, I don't know what we're doing and I've explained this, you know, kind of before, but also the carnivore movement. I mean, I just did a podcast on the only proven anti-cancer diet. There is not a cancer research study that's saying how much bacon can we eat in one day to try to sh- shrink tumors. I mean, no right. one's ever even postulating that that might be a possibility. They're saying how much broccoli could we eat? How much how, what about carrots with their high levels of vitamin A? So, if we what I like to do is this because everybody has their dogmatic views. 80% of your diet, your plate should be essentially produce. You're not going to mix too much of your fruit with anything else. It's not a great fruit combiner. You can blend it. You can mix it up. That makes it easier. But what I like people to do, you can start with your fruit nice and cleansing and gets a, it's hydrating. It's basically 80-90% water. You could do that in the morning. That's an Ayurvedic thing as well. Now again, are there contraindications? What if someone has blood sugar dysregulation? Well, fix the blood sugar dysregulation and then move into a natural human diet. So then... For lunch and for dinner, if we're talking about three meals per day, two to three cups of vegetables with those meals. It should be the predominance of your meals. After that, we'll look at some starch, sweet potatoes, and we'll look at some root-based vegetables. And that's great. And then this is where you might add in a little bit of grains if they work for you, a little bit of wild rice or rice of some type or not. Maybe you don't do any grains at all. That's where bio-individuality comes in. And then it's your protein. So I think we can agree on everything for the most part, except people disagree on what type of protein it should be. Mm -hmm. So for me, I say, I don't want a lot of that in there because it's a wild card based on the person. And again, I I did a show that's called The Mounting Evidence Against Meat. And the problem is the more meat that we eat, the more anabolism we build up in the body. Well, it raises IGF-1 levels. So what does that do? Well, it helps someone that has difficulty keeping weight on or muscle on to put on muscle. Okay, so that might not be too bad, but when I used to do that in my 20s, I was able to put on a lot of muscle at the detriment, though, of my health. Mm-hmm. So what we do for changing our body is not always the best for our health. I'm going to get to the point now. So basically, okay, I'm talking about this for a half hour. Because um, I mean, anything that I say can be kind of maneuvered and twisted in any different direction. We'll put it this way. A handful of protein per day, whether it be vegan, fish, egg, or meat is really what separates any of the best diets, right? So the best diets is predominantly produce, high antioxidants, anti-cancer-based, knocks out the cardiovascular issues, the stroke, the cancer, the top three leading causes of death. And then I typically recommend more of a vegan-based lunch, easier to digest. And then at dinner, I know that's supposed to be a lighter meal, but the problem is we don't slow down to the end of the day. So what I recommend at that meal, choose your vegan protein, your fish, or your meat, but we're not overdoing meat throughout the day. So I know that was kind of roundabout answer, but that's my answer. No, I think that's great. And that's exactly what I ascribe to. And I think that there's so much validity in that and just my own experience of seeing how I feel. And I've done, I think, probably 30 days of Panchakarma here this year. And so I've been a vegan throughout that time. And I didn't do any grains except for the rice and my gut was good enough to handle that. But being off of meat for that long and then slowly reintroducing it and having 
the amount that you're talking about, I noticed such a massive shift in my body. And I'm coming from a very high level protein paleo diet where I just felt sort of bogged down and like I just wasn't digesting. And so I can attest to this that I felt like it was really, really powerful for me. Well, one of the things that goes along with that, we talk about, you know, AMA or toxins. The the two biggest anabolic foods, again, they raise IGF one levels, they can build up the body, but they're the heaviest foods are dairy and meat. And a lot of people, like when I was younger, we used to combine them at the same meal. I had a glass of cold milk <laughs> with meat. And that was, I mean, you couldn't do anything worse than that, except when we did, you know, meat-based sauce with pasta and then the dairy. That was that was pretty bad. So, you know, when you look at that, you can say, wow, that's that's going to create a lot more toxins or AMA. And you know, all foods do that because there's byproducts and metabolic processes to food. So if you are someone that's feeling more sluggish and brain fog and worn down and run down, it's a sign that you're probably not going to be able to metabolize and break down those foods as well. So whether you stop them completely or not is up to you, but drastically reducing them will probably make you feel fantastic. Mm-hmm. How do you approach the heavy metal detoxing? And I know there's obviously a protocol with it and testing that goes along. What's your approach to that? Yeah, it's a great question. And for those people that can't afford the testing for the heavy metals, I do recommend a heavy metal detox, a natural-based one without necessarily the chelation. I know there's a lot of people, a lot of functional medicine doctors that will do the chelation. And I understand it. I know where they're coming from. I would be open to it for someone with extremely high levels of mercury or lead or something very, very dangerous. For the moderate levels that I see, just basically not doing enough seasonal detoxing, not removing these things from your body, not eating enough cruciferous-based vegetables, sulfur-based vegetables, I would, I would go ahead and I'd feel very comfortable for people doing a heavy metal detox once per year. So it's actually very simple. And the research bears this out. 92 to 90... Well, is anywhere between 90 and 93% of all the heavy metals such as lead, mercury, aluminum were eliminated by the body in six weeks by using crack cell chlorella, cilantro, and vitamin C. And we add a biofilm disruptor because the biofilm is often so ingrained with heavy metals that it's good to break that down as well. It's good for the gut as well. So we're a huge advocate of that. Um, it's something that we do quite a bit in our protocol. Now, we don't do it for people that are very depleted. And the reason is that you can still pull some of your zinc and other minerals out of your body as well. So we try to build them up for 12 weeks. Unless it's crucial, we do the heavy metal right away. And then after 12 weeks, we'll do the heavy metal uh, detox. Are you seeing heavy metals as being a huge part of your practice with people that are coming in ill and maybe you're not sure what's going on? Yeah, it's a great question. And it doesn't ever seem to me... I mean, I can always name one or two cases. So one or two cases, yes. But it never seems to be the only thing or the catalyst to disease. Mm. It's one more thing that the liver being bogged down was not able to eliminate. So I can't say that that's the biggest, but it's typically always part of it. Meaning like it is a big part of Hashimoto's. And it might not just be the mercury. It might not just be the aluminum. It can also be other things like bromine and it can be... Or bromides and it can be cadmium. So we test for those as well with the thyroid. Uh, Those are are certainly um, large ones as well. It's a big part of what we do but if we're talking between intestinal permeability and HBA axis dysfunction, it's not at that level. And for people that aren't really aware of the, the heavy metals and what they do to your body, how do they 
limit your ability to function at a high level. So the best way to think of heavy metals is think of rust on a bumper or rust on metal. It basically is oxidation. So heavy metals allow for oxidation on the inside of your body. You can't see it going on, but very slowly, it's oxidizing brain cells. It's breaking down potentially the myelin sheath of your nervous system, or at least causing inflammation. Same thing with the thyroid. And what your body, with all of these things, and that's why you say, you know, is it heavy metals? Well, yes, yeah, it can be heavy metals. It can be the Epstein-Barr virus. It can be Lyme. It can be any type of pathogen in the body that the immune system is chronically going after. That just wears in the body. That is the rain barrel effect, meaning it's almost never right away except for something like Lyme or the virus that you got right away, like mono or herpes or mm-hmm. something like that. Right away, but then it's the years of just wearing on the body unless you get your body strong enough to do what it knows best and that's to eliminate it or knock it down, uh, keep it uh, dormant inside of your body. Well, and I think one of the most important things that I'm now realizing between the heavy metals and just environmental toxins, chemicals that are in our products is that they're now finding these chemicals and toxins in babies. It's coming through in vitro and they're being born already exposed to this. So it's like, it's not even something we're doing to ourselves and exposing ourselves. It's really just something that's happening year after year through our parents and when we're born. And the exposure is from infancy. And it's really tough when it's building up throughout the years of your life to get that under control unless you do a really great protocol like this. Completely agree. And that's, we can't ignore this anymore. People who, you know, make fun of uh, a functional medicine. De- now, I know obviously some detoxes are better than others. Like some are based in, you know, truly what your liver needs. You know, one thing with detoxes or, you know, an intestinal cleanse or heavy metal is that we actually have the science, the same science that you use in conventional medicine to eliminate these things from the body. We know the liver needs what's called phase one antioxidants and minerals to be able to take these fat soluble toxins move them to an intermediate metabolite and cause something, create something called a water-soluble toxin that your body can eliminate through bowel movements, urination, sweat, or huffing it off through your lungs. But it does that through specific nutrients. And we know how to do that. And so you know, the other people saying, well, there's no such thing as toxins. Well, the World Health Organization has already said that there's 77,000 man-made um, toxic chemicals with more being made every day. So meaning they're man-made, they're synthetic, our bodies weren't uh, programmed to be able to eliminate these, something such as DDT created you know, around the, the Vietnam War before are never going to leave the environment. And they're finding that in fetal cord blood. And there was a study done by the Environmental Working Group that showed, called 10 Americans, great video, that um, really broke ground on this showing that they only tested for 400 toxins in women. And they found the average was around 200, 223 and so basically, 50% of what they tested for was in fetal cord blood. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're trying to get the message out. Like, no matter what, your body is toxic. We're just trying to keep up in a toxic world. And that's why doing things such as Panchakama, which is absolutely amazing, a lot of people, most people won't be able to do that. However, they can do seasonal detoxes, they can do more vegetables in their diet because vegetables and low glycemic fruit, all types of fruit, if you're able to do it, are going to help with that removal based process. Have you seen the documentary Stink on Netflix? Someone just literally um, messaged that in one of our private groups today. So I have to check that out. You have to watch it. It's so good. I'm actually having the guy who created it and um, 
and did everything for it on the show next year. But oh, that's great. He, his wife passed away from breast cancer and they believe a lot of it was due to environmental toxins and factors. And he has two young daughters and they got these pajamas, I think, from whatever company and they opened them up out of the package and they smelled so bad. And he called to find out what chemicals they were using and went down this whole rabbit hole and the flame retardants and the color and the dyes and all these chemicals. And he just realized how exposed we are in every facet of our lives. And now his whole life's purpose is to educate people on the toxins and the perfumes and all the things that are really harming our health. I think you'd really like it. That sounds amazing. I can't wait. And I will definitely um, promote that as well because that's what we need. And I mean, we need to be an industry just like you're doing that promotes all of these great ideas because there's just not enough for any one person to be able to get all this information out. So, you know, and I think that's it's absolutely fantastic. And more needs to be brought about it because toxicity is that next frontier. It's the next frontier in how it affects your genetics and how it affects your gut. And so we talk about, well, the microbiome, it's important. Absolutely. But it changes based on what it's exposed to. And it's, it's actually changing every day. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the stat in your book, one in eight ingredients contain uh, known carcinogens or cancer-causing chemicals in makeup. And that was one of the first things I changed. I come from a TV background. So they were doing my makeup every day and who knows what was in there. And when I started working with my doctor, that was one of his first questions. What are you using and get rid of all of it and start clean? So what kind of products do you recommend to your patients so that they know that what they're using doesn't harm their bodies? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So that is something that uh, we talk about all the time because there's a test called toxic base, called the toxicity test. And um, it's a simple urine test. And you can see that your body's actually excreting these toxins. And so we look at phthalates and we look at a lot of the other um, products that come specifically from shampoo, conditioner, makeup. The average woman leaves the house with 126 chemicals on her body, exposed mm. to her body. Now, that's more than a dozen just in shampoo and another, ho- however many in conditioner. There's lead and lipstick. They don't need to list these things. Right. So that's the, that's the most insane part of it. It's just kind of like, well, that's just part of doing business. It's not supposed to be an edible food, which means you don't really need to list all of these particular items. And even when you contact the companies, they'll tell you, oh, well, it's proprietary. We can't really tell you what it is. So unless the company is literally saying food grade, or they're saying that this is actually edible. There's something in that that most likely is going to be more toxic to your body. And I'm not saying we can escape all of the toxins in the environment. We can't. I'm not naive enough to believe that. I believe you know, that you should follow the clean 15 and dirty dozen for foods the best of your ability. Because I know not everyone can afford all organic. So we just have to make the best decisions. Now, in terms of, of makeup and shampoos and conditioners and soap and all of those things, um, the website that I always... Um, recommend is EWG, the Environmental Working Group, but they also have a specific section called Skin Deep. And Skin Deep will allow you to search your product that you're using right now and see the score that it comes back with. Because, you know, my job is to try to assimilate. So it's, you know, I, I consider it a truly integrative health practice. I assimilate everything that I can, but I will never be the expert in what makeup is best. But I know where to find out where the best ones are. And I get connected just like you to some great people in the industry doing great things with food grade makeup and shampoos and all of those things. For me, easy ways to look. If your shampoo suds and foams, it's going to have some toxins in there. That's just part of what it is. If your ingredients on the back of your 
you know, a moisturizer isn't mainly oil-based. It's not argan oil or hopa oil, or it's not um, some carrot seed or raspberry or, um, you know, blue tansy, like all these great things. All those are fantastic. We need to look into more of how those natural oils can be used with our skin rather than all the synthetic. Mm. Yes, preach to the choir. Something that you did for me that I I had known about but didn't really dive into was being aware of EMFs and their effect. And I think it's hard because we don't want to live scared and that's not healthy. But I think we also have to be aware of you know, all these electronics, it's all amazing with technology now, but what is it doing to our health? And I bought, I can't remember what it's called. I'll link to it in the notes, but that sheet that you recommend that can go over your electronics, I bought that. And I can't feel if it's making a difference, but I feel better about what I'm being exposed to. How do you deal with EMS? So... This is a huge topic and it's only going to become greater in the future as we create what they're calling the internet of everything. So everywhere you go is connected to the internet by 5G and scanners and there will be more pop-ups in your phone when you enter a store. And so you're going to be just in a essentially a microwave of, of rays of electronic uh, magnetic and electromagnetic frequencies as well as radiation. So it's, it's the EMFs plus the radiation. So what I do is control what I can control. So I need to say, if I'm in my bedroom for eight hours a day, that's a third of my day. I think it's a third of my day, somewhere around there. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> if, my, if my math is correct on that, I try to speak and do very simple math, which is not the, my strong suit. But you know, if we look at that, I say my bedroom has to be EMF free. So there's no Wi-Fi, there's no smart alarm alarm clocks, there's none of those things. And I use what's called the Trifield EMF meter. There are many EMF meters. You don't, I don't have any stock in that company, but it's a very good one. And so what I do is I make sure... And this is a big thing. So I have two young girls. They're now four and six. And I wanted to test their room as well. This is going back a couple of years. And I was appalled that when I saw the um, baby monitor and the white noisemaker that they were some of the highest EMF levels mm. of anything that I had ever tested anywhere. And that was shocking to me. So did we get rid of them? No. But we moved them across the room, right? So that when I went towards their beds, there was, it was no longer registering for EMFs. So again, that's part of like being realistic and living in the real world. I'm, I need to know if my girls are okay. And the other thing is, their mattresses contain coil springs. The coil springs allowed for the picking up of those EMFs, even if they were further away. Now, their mattresses, obviously, we knew about flame retardants. We knew about all of those things, organic wool, et cetera, et cetera, um, latex. And you can go so many great options now, whether you're vegan or whatever you believe in, whatever works for you is great because you can find that. But coil springs are another one. And so what we did was we EMF-proofed their room and we EMF-proofed our room so that we'll be exposed during the day. Not a lot I can do about that. I protect my cell phone. They use iPads. Now, again, they're not using them all the time. But on long car trips, they're absolutely using those. And we bought EMF cases. So when they're on their lap, the EMFs are not being radiated right into their bodies. For a laptop, we use a Hara pad at home. Again, there are many. But that's just one that I don't like to work on a laptop at home. But my wife is typically with a laptop on her lap. And I got the Hara pad. And then she just put that right on. And again, I test these and I know that they work. So 
as you're hearing throughout this episode with Dr. Cabral, we talk a lot about all of the harmful chemicals that are in our products that can cause cancer, autoimmune disease, infertility, and disrupt your hormones. So I'm hoping that after hearing this chat, you will finally go look in your cabinets and look at what's on your products. Something that I want to introduce you to to help you on this journey of going non-toxic is Beauty Counter. They are my new obsession. They're leading the charge on Washington to change the standard of beauty for us all with their Never List. And they make it easy to get so many clean, effective products in one place. You can head to my shop at thisistheplatform.com slash shop for a link to my favorite products and rest assured that you're getting the very best from them. Also, Beauty Counter is founded by a woman and you all know how I feel about that. So remember, head to my shop to learn more. How scared should we be of EMS and the increase of our exposure? Well, you know, it's hard because even though, you know, my background is in which is science-based, nat- naturopathic medicine, you know. But I, I, I think you know, for my travel around the world and studying Ayurvedic medicine and traditional Chinese medicine, I'm still science-based at heart, and we have so much more to go with the dangers of EMFs. But we know right now that they absolutely can lead to a greater incidence of cancer, and we know that it's altering DNA at a cellular level. What that means for the future? We don't exactly know. We know that it's altering the bacteria, the microbiome. I look at it, and and then there's actually so a lot of the studies are being done in Europe. So you can't look to the U.S. for all the new studies because there's a lot at play here in the U.S. And again, not saying that that doesn't happen in Europe, but in Europe it's a little different because they the governments actually save money if they're able to save on healthcare costs. So they run, they do a lot more interesting studies in Europe. So Germany is the leading on the leading edge, and you can look at a lot of studies going over there. And we see a lot, a greater incidence of ADD, ADHD, and other issues with children, because children are going to be affected to a far greater degree. And when I boil this down to a cellular level, we look at you know the quantum uh, mechanics of our body and our chemistry. We are literally vibrating beings, right? We are energetic beings. Now I'm not saying that even from a new age perspective. We're literally vibrating beings. Well, what happens if you change the frequency of our vibration with another frequency vibration? Interesting things could happen, and I don't think that they're probably good. I think earthing, walking near the water, on sand, on the morning grass, those things, those electrons, negative ions, I should say, are actually great for our body. Wireless modems, probably not so great. Mm, Yeah, it is so scary. And you're right. Europe is so far ahead of us. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Is it frustrating for you that? Some people have a, a, have an approach where if they don't feel it, then they don't want to deal with it. So maybe they don't understand the chemicals are harming them and they say they feel fine or they don't necessarily feel effects of EMF, so they don't deal with it. And then in 30 years, something horrible could happen. I, that, that frustrates me a lot. That, and that is the truth. Like That's it. You don't end up one day with Hashimoto's, rheumatoid arthritis, cancer, heart disease, any of these things. Anything that you could put a disease name on, it didn't happen overnight. It's not possible. So I agree. You don't feel it right now because you've... Then this isn't a bad thing. I, w- I wasn't taught this either, right? No one's taught this. It's just not taught in school, certainly not taught by the government, not taught by... Most parents don't know it. So that's why what we're trying to do is just create this for the next generation is this self-awareness. How do you feel after a meal? Do you feel sluggish when you wake up in the morning? Are you waking up with energy? Do you need caffeine to survive the day? 
These are the first signs that your body is not balanced. You can deny them if you want to, but it's at your own peril because they will eventually show up. The rain barrel will eventually fill itself to the top. Now, here's the thing. I can say that my genetics are not that great. And they're not in terms of methylation-based issues, COMT, etc., etc. So I can say that, and that could be why I got very, very sick, you know, deathly sick at 17. But a lot of other people with better genetics may not get sick until they're 57. Mm. But it's happening no matter what. And so what I said was, to me, it was a blessing that I could get that sick at 17 before the internet was around 20 years ago, really. And that I had to not look at an article, not look at a thousand words, but actually just work to get in depth. What does all of this mean? And it was a journey. It was 10 years. Now, nobody, it should take zero people 10 years to get well. But if it takes you that long, but you learned a lot along the way that you can then pass on to your children or other people, yeah, it's absolutely worth it. But there's an answer out there for everyone. And the truth is, you cannot deny it just because you don't see it. People do that because the truth is that if we thought about it, we'd have to do something about it and we're already overwhelmed with our everyday life. Yes, isn't that the truth? So I listened to an episode you did on your show um, about the medical medium and his protocols. And I know that you are a big fan of his and and believe in a lot of the things he says. And, and you talk about him being a really smart guy and very well-read and educated. And I loved hearing that. Um, I'm getting a lot of messages from young women specifically that are living and dying by this treatment and his protocol for healing. And I'm more on your way of thinking of Ayurveda and functional medicine and merging that and adding in some of his ideas into that protocol, like the celery juice and things like that. I just don't think that it's the answer. So I would just love to get your perspective on what he's doing and talking about and how we can add some of the great things in, but maybe not live and die by that protocol. Well, that's the thing. You can't live and die by any protocol. Mm -hmm. And that's because he's... I mean, he is so popular. Anthony William, I want to you know, give him his due, the medical medium. So I, if, you know, if this gets back to him, I want him to know that I think he's absolutely... absolutely. And I've spoken with Anthony um, on the phone before. And I think um, he is absolutely amazing. And he is brilliant. He's a very, very smart man. And you know, I, it's not all him being a medical intuitive. Like, he's very well read. And here's what he's doing. He has to speak to the masses. 10 million people a day. I don't even know how many people study his work, right? Yeah. He can't give you... He's giving you a starting point. He's doing his job as a health practitioner, health coach, to give you a starting point, but it doesn't have to be your ending point. Meaning, drinking 16 ounces of celery juice in the morning may literally put someone in a horrible state because of the larger amount of natural nitrates inside of celery juice. Mm -hmm. But what if you started with two ounces? What if you, you know, worked up by an ounce a week? Or what if you didn't do any celery juice, but you ate more of a plant-based diet? That'd be pretty good too. Mm -hmm. So what I see is that a lot of people with skin-based conditions are doing very well on his protocols because they are eating a essentially raw vegan-based diet. And what happens when you're eating a raw vegan-based diet, we know this from Ayurveda, is that it's almost zero ama meaning no stickiness, no toxicity, no mucus production. Mm. People talk about Dr. Sebi all the time, or Sebi. Um, you know, here's the thing. They're putting people on cleansing diets. 
they're putting them on high water content based foods. They're removing the dairy. They're removing the gluten. If they have lectin or nightshade or you know salicylate or they have FODMAP, they have all these other issues. They're basically removing those. And so, you know, what's working? Well, what's working is getting them back to nature, getting them back to a whole food based diet, more plant based. So, although I love his work, you have to understand that you're an individual as well, and you have to understand too the medical medium, Anthony William. He promotes a lot of nutritional supplements. Because he understands too, when your body is that depleted, it's going to be hard for you to extract the nutrition from all of that great food. Mm. And that in the beginning, we usually use 12 to 16 weeks of a little bit more nutritional supplements before we begin to wean someone off. And we wean them off because now their digestive system is working again. They can start to enjoy those foods and extract more nutrition. So you know, it's hard for me to say anything bad, but it's not a complete protocol. It's a great place to start. And then for more individualized protocols, I just, at some point, people have suffered long enough. And I just say, find a local uh, functional medicine doctor or naturopathic doctor that runs subclinical labs, get your answers, black and white, exactly what you're deficient in, exactly what you have too much of, your toxicities, replace your deficiencies, remove your toxicities, and you will get well. Might it take six weeks? Yes. Might it take 12? Maybe. Will it take six months? Probably at the most. But I mean, that's, that's the answer for most people. So at some point, you've just had enough. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? And that's the time to get your individual answers. I also am such a huge proponent of getting these tests done and not taking supplements just because your girlfriend told you that it's great. I get so many questions about what I take and I... I'm always hesitant to ever share because what works for me is because I took tests that told me I needed these and that they need to do the same. Is that something that is difficult that you run into with patients that they just want to take all the supplements and not necessarily do all the testing? It's a big part of it. So I understand where they're coming from because in conventional medicine, we've been taught that if we have high cholesterol, we get a statin. And if we have high blood pressure, we get a beta blocker or a calcium channel blocker or a diuretic. And when I had Addison's disease, you get Cortef. And when I had POTS, you get Florinef. And you know, again, there's a medication for everything. So when we, you know, when we go to a natural health practitioner, we say, okay, well, what's the thing for this? <laughs> and, you know, and I can't help but laugh now because I understand where that person's coming from. You know, say if you have low energy, well, you just take what? You just take some B12 and some CoQ10 and you call it a day, right? Well, that's not how it works. So if you're low in B12, sure, you could be eating low B12 foods, but it could be because you're under a lot of stress and depleting it faster. It could be because the villi inside of the jejunum and the other parts of the intestine aren't actually manufacturing the B12, which they're allowed to do in a healthy gut because you have SIBO or you do have candida overgrowth or you have something going on such as H. pylori. So you know, I love lab testing. If people aren't allowed to... If they can't do lab testing, they do need to start somewhere. So I do believe in a foundational-based protocol, but I call them tier 1, tier 2, and tier 3 supplements. If you're running out and using maca and CoQ10 and a lot of like specific herbs without knowing that if you need them, well, that's more of like a, a tier 3. A tier 2 would be saying, I think that I'm probably deficient in zinc or my, you know, whatever they might be. Okay, And then there's the foundation. We all know that we need at least 100% of the RDA of all of our B vitamins, or vitamin C, or vitamin E, all the vitamins, minerals that we need, the electrolytes, etc. So I do believe in a foundational-based approach. 
uh, as a place to start at least. But I want to just add one more thing to this. I used to be someone that I would just read an article, go to a new practitioner, and I'd be taking 30, 40 supplements. Easy. <laughs> the problem is, if you do get well, which one worked? Yes. It's too many variables. You, you have to eventually develop a blueprint for your body where you know what you should remain on that works for you, what you don't need because you should use as little as possible. And then also, um, besides all of that, the more things you take, the more things you're asking your liver to also process and detoxify. So first, start with the liver detox. Start with something that just cleans out your body and then begin to add maybe just one at a time. Do you feel a positive, a neutral, or a negative effect? Well, negative, of course, you're going to remove it. If it's neutral or positive, we're going to keep it in if it's foundational. If it's a nice add-on, like, do you really need cordyceps mushrooms every day? My answer would be no. Why do you have low energy? That would be my question instead of adding cordyceps mushrooms. I love this so much. And this is exactly what I went through. I was taking all of the supplements. And when I started Panchakarma, my liver, of course, was just so run down. And when you do Panchakarma, you can't take any supplements. So I got off of everything and I felt so much better. And I'm like, this isn't supposed to be like this. The supplements are supposed to make me feel amazing. But they're actually having the opposite effect. And it was such an eye-opening experience for me because I am the one that will buy all the things and, oh, this is the next best thing and this is going to help fix it. But really, I wasn't getting to the root cause like you said. And it's a really important thing to look at what's going on for you and start healing that rather than trying to add all these supplements that you really don't know what they're doing for you. Yes. So good. My last question for you, I've been getting a lot of messages as well about moms or you know women that are pregnant or are breastfeeding and they're just realizing that they have Epstein-Barr because of this big functional medicine push. They're finally getting tested and being properly diagnosed, but they're not sure how they can treat Epstein-Barr because of the pregnancy. How do you approach that? Yeah, it's a great question. So two things on that. The One is we always go through cycles in nutrition and in health. And they last anywhere from 18 months to three years. So... And I've been I've been in the industry, you know, since the late '90s, and I first started with fitness and nutrition, and then moved into the functional medicine, naturopathic field. So, you know, back in the early 2000s, we started using um, physio balls or exercise balls, and then it was kettlebells, and then it was TRX, and it was like all of these things are great, right? But there's an overuse of them in the short term, and then the reason I'm saying this is in the health field. There's an overfixation on Lyme five or six years ago. And now not everything has to be Lyme. And now though, the a big thing we look at is Epstein-Barr virus. It matters. But my job is, again, I want to go after the truth. Epstein-Barr virus matters. But if you're holding on and still worn down from Epstein-Barr virus after six months, it's not the Epstein-Barr virus's fault. It's your immune system is not able to eradicate or run dormant that virus in the first place. So our goal is not necessarily to fight Epstein-Barr virus. It's to use the approach that a healthy body can't be overweight and it can't be sick. Mm. And it's going to live a long time with lots of energy. So my body is to look at what... My, sorry, my work is to look at what's the deficiencies and what are the toxicities. So for a mom, the, that, would, that would be easier if a woman wasn't if they're trying to get pregnant, someone's listening to this and saying, the next six months, I want to think about having a baby. Best things you can do 
is lab test to see if you have heavy metals or toxicities or just begin to remove those things from your body. That's it. Then you want to be following a diet to build up your body, more minerals, more everything, because you're going to be the person that provides all the nutrition for that new life. And they're going to get all of the good and some of the bad, unfortunately. But that, that's the way it works. Don't be afraid of that part. We're going to get you as healthy as possible. If you are pregnant, the one thing that I do not use are high-dose vitamins, and I do not use any herbal-based products. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'd be as worried about the herbs and you know, that minuscule amount of lead that we get, you know, especially you're in California. Prop 65, everything. Even yes. though you live, in, you live in LA, you walk outside for a full day, you will take in more lead in the atmosphere and more lead on spinach than you will from like a really nicely grown ashwagandha or, or herbal-based product. But you know, sometimes we, were, we have a tendency to overreact. It was a good idea at the time. Let women know that this is a product that could harm them. So let me get back on track. So we don't use herbs though either way because we don't know. So what we recommend is enough vitamin C to help the immune system, enough zinc. And then when they're done with pregnancy and they're done with nursing their child, we will go after a stronger approach to getting their body healthier. That is not just going to be supplementation. So I have something called the de-stress protocol. And it's diet, it's exercise, stress reduction, toxin removal, parasympathetic nervous system dominance, more meditation, more yoga, more Epsom salt baths, more you know, those calming things, emotional balance, supplements is that next part. And then the mindset that this is not going to be your life story, that this is your moment story. You're going to overcome it. And then you're going to be able to teach your children all the great things that you were able to do. So that's essentially how we, we work with that. That's the perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Dr. Cabral. I appreciate this. I love your book again. Thank you for writing it and spreading this awareness to all of us. Um, Your work is really, really beautiful and super important. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. You know, I just want to say if it's okay, my podcast, The Cabral Concept, I just try to give out that content um, on a daily basis that just promotes these things uh, that we were talking about today. And uh, I just want to thank you too for the amazing work uh, that you do in, in empowering women and helping women out there. Thank you so much. Have a great one. You as well. In case you couldn't tell, I continued to geek out throughout the entire conversation with Dr. Cabral, but he is just that smart and that wonderful to educate us all and share this information with so many people and really try to make a lasting impact in all of our health and wellness journeys. So if you want to connect with Dr. Cabral, you can find him on Instagram at Stephen Cabral and make sure you get his book. And I'm linking the rain barrel effect on my website at thisistheplatform.com slash resources. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I know it will greatly impact your life and we'll have another inspirational conversation for you in just a few days to help you on your healing journey. In the meantime, thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.